Let's pray today. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we are just honored and privileged to be in your house. Thank you for letting us worship you together under one banner. Thank you for giving us the, the freedom to do this, Lord. We say, God, we love you. We lean into you today. We lean into what you would speak to us, God. We lean into your word today. Lord, would you speak through your word in a mighty way? We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. So we are actually talking about truths that we stand on as a body of believers. And not just as a body of believers, but as Christians. If you say you are a follower of Christ, then these truths we hold to be self-evident. These are the truths that are non-negotiable. So there are a lot of things that people debate in the scriptures. I mean, people debate, I've heard people debate whether you shave your beard, you know, some, I mean, I, I literally heard on Facebook, a, a, a small uh, point of a message where a man was preaching at this huge conference and he was like, if you have a beard, that's of the world. Isn't that crazy? I mean, a whole movement, they all cheered and, 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 and yeah, Jesus had a beard. If we got pulled out, I would say, I would rather follow his example, <laughs> right? And most men actually probably do look better with beards. Ladies, amen. amen. And if you like, unless you like that, unless you like that clean shave, you can say amen there. Okay, we got one person that likes it. So I guess the rest of you like the little bit of scruff on your man's face. So, but, but I'm saying that to say that what happens is, is the church, what we, we find ourselves fighting battles that are the wrong ones. We find ourselves fighting battles that are the wrong ones. So that's why we're talking about truth to stand on, because we want to just say there's probably about five truths that if you don't believe these five things from the word of God, then I would question whether you are a follower of Christ. And so the one is, is that the Bible is the inspired word of God. That's what Pastor Joy talked about last week. If you don't believe that, then why would you believe anything else? You've got to absolutely believe that the Bible was the inspired word of God. And the second truth that you have to believe if you are a follower of Christ is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now, as we dive into this, friends, it's funny because there's no other claim like what our God claims. Because there's a lot of different religions, a lot of different belief systems, a lot of uh, different things that people grab onto. And the newest belief is this huge universal belief that you can basically add Jesus to everything else that you're already believing. And that's what, uh, uh, if you're, if you're like 25 and younger, or maybe 30 and younger, maybe there, it's a huge movement among young people is that, is that basically anything goes like you can Go, you can believe your way. Don't intrude on what I believe the way I believe. I'm not going to intrude on the way you believe and you're right and I'm right and we're both right. But how can that be true? I've been married 21 years and know that she can't be right and I can be right at the same time. That just doesn't happen. Usually, for the most part, because she's smarter than I and usually knows facts better, usually she's right. Okay, And when I get that once in a lifetime time when I'm right, I take a picture of it. I post it on Facebook and I celebrate it with all my friends. We high five each other, <laughs> right? So, so you can't have like multiple ways of being right. It's 
right? That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And, and this is kind of my thoughts, and this is what I'll say to you before I get into all this thing. If there were multiple ways to get to heaven, then why did Jesus die such a gruesome death? If there were multiple ways to get to heaven, then Jesus died for nothing. And so we got to get into all of this, right? So this is, there's no other God that makes this claim. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10 through 11. And I'm reading primarily all of my verses out of the English Standard Version. And it says this, it says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. My servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord. Beside me, there is no savior. So the Lord himself is saying this with this audacious thing, I am the only God. I'm the real one. Now, there's a bunch of, we see in scripture, there's a bunch of other gods, right? Foreign gods, all these other stuff. We see what happened on, on Mount Carmel when, when the 450 prophets of Baal cut themselves and cried out to, God, to their God and he never showed up. But then God showed up with fire and burnt the sacrifice and licked up all the water. And, and we see God in many, many, many uh, times throughout scripture do absolutely miraculous things to prove that he is who he says he is. So friends, number one, we got we to gotta understand that we are serving the one true God. We serve the one true God. We serve the one true God. There's no other, there's no other versions that attribute adding to a God or blah, 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 or all that other stuff. But we serve the one true God, right? So friends, this is the thing. The one true God has revealed himself as the eternal self-existing I am. Where does that take place? It takes place in the Old Testament when, when, God, when Moses meets God at the burning bush and he says, what is your proper name? And, his, and, he, and the words that he uses, and most people say it's Jehovah, Jehovah. And there's a whole movement of people say the only proper way to say his name is Jehovah. Jehovah is the dumbed down version of him saying, I am the all existing, all eternal uh, I am. That, that's what he said. He said, I am. That's, that's who. You want to know my name? I am. My name is I am. So how can you say worship I am? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. So he, so he said, you can call me Jehovah, right? Like that's, like that's if, you want, if you want to call me something, you can call me that. So the one true God, the I am, the creator of heaven and earth, the redeemer of mankind, has further revealed himself as embodying the principles of a relationship and association as father, son, and Holy Spirit. So we call it, we say God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've prayed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you did one of those cross things when you were praying. Maybe when you were baptized, maybe they baptized you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So because we as Christ followers identify the fact that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that, that it's, it's, it's the all-existing, self-existent I am. Now, we see all three together in Scripture, because there's, and I'm going to jump ahead of myself. Let's just go to Luke chapter 3 real quick, because I'm, I'm, I'm like wanting to jump ahead of my notes here. Luke chapter 3, verse, a lot of Scripture, okay? You guys ready for all this Scripture? You hungry for the Word this morning? Because we're going to get into it. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be as funny as usual because we're really just going to just hit some hardcore the word. Let it preach itself. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 through 22 says in the uh, New English version, it says, Now when all the people were baptized and Jesus also had been baptized and was praying. Check this out. This is, a, this is awesome. The heavens were opened. Have you ever prayed and the heavens opened up? It's amazing. Verse 22. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. Pause that for a minute. So in this one, in this uh, few uh, pieces of scripture, we see, uh, we see the, the three of the one we see in, in separate forms. We see God, the Holy Spirit come ascend or excuse me, descend upon Jesus in bodily form. We hear a voice from heaven, which is the father. And we see the beloved son where the Holy Spirit rests on. So we have God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. So we actually, as followers of Christ and, and as, I don't know what you would call us, um, Pentecostals or evangelicals or whatever you would like to call us. We believe in what we would call the Trinity. Now you will never see that word in the Bible. It's not just like the word rapture is not in the Bible. Right? The word rapture comes from the Latin word uh, raptura, which means snatched away. And in English, uh, we translated and we started calling it rapture, which means snatched away. Which means and we, if you believe Christ is coming back, that's what that is. He's going to come and get his bride. He's going to snatch his, his church away. Okay, but the word rapture is not in the scripture. Neither is the word trinity. The word trinity is just a term that we have adopted to help us to understand. Because we can't understand how can there be three beings that's one being. Right? It's because it's kind of weird. It's kind of confusing. And the best way, when I was a children's pastor, the best way that I would describe the Trinity to kids is I would pull out an egg. And I was going to grab an egg, but I thought it might break. So just pretend with me. You know what an egg looks like, right? Just like put your hand out and just pretend you see an egg. You're about to crack it and make yourself some scrambled eggs in the morning. And when you look at this thing, this egg has three parts, but it's one egg, right? It, you have an egg shell. You have an egg white and you have an egg yolk. All three can be separated, right? You crack open the, the egg and you can see the egg white and egg yolk. You can separate those, but they're all the same. It's all an egg. It's an egg white, egg yolk, egg shell. So I used to teach kids. I'm like, this is kind of like the Trinity. It's like, it's almost like the shell is like the Holy Spirit, right? It's the one that we see. It's the one that we see moving. It's the one that speaks to us. It's the one that's right there. And then I always kind of attributed like Jesus was kind of like the yoke because he's like God's heart. So he's like the center, right? I mean, he sits at the right hand of father, right? He is the I am. He's the alpha, the omega. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And then the yoke is the father. So and it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just an illustration. But this whole concept. And, and then God created us in the same way. We're triune beings as well. We have a body. We have a soul, which is our mind and our will and our emotions. And we have a spirit. So he created us in his likeness, right? And so in the scripture, you see, even, even in the book of Genesis, he says, we will create God in our image. Why would, he, why would that word be our? Because it's like God talking to himself. <laughs> Isn't that kind of weird? So if you talk to yourself, you're like God. No, just joking. <laughs> Maybe you need help. So if you, if you, <laughs> I know, <laughs> special, right? So we see this thing of, this, of, the, of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
But yet with all of these, the Lord is one. And, that, and, there, and that's why there's some people who have, um, Islamics will say, well, you, 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 you worship many gods. No, it's not many gods. It's one God. That's why it says in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, one God. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 says, it says the grace of, and then again, shows us the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So it's like we, there's one entity, one being, but with three different attributes. Say attributes. Okay. Does that make sense? All right. We're going to go into more scripture here. Second Corinthians talks a little bit more about this in 13 verse 14. It says, oh, I already read that. I put that on there already. Oh, cool. Good. That's great. So he's the three, per, the three persons in the Godhead. John chapter 14, verse 15. Oh, I didn't put that on there. Oh, oh, well. John 14, 15 through 17 also talks about the three in one, the Godhead. Okay. And so, um, so we got to understand that he is the Lord. We serve one God. Say one God. One. Not three gods. Now there's, um, there's uh, like I said, there's a lot of di different belief set. Maybe, you know, we serve three gods. Like there's this whole weird thing like that. There's also a belief in Christianity that he's one being, but then he like changes his form. We call that the oneness doctrine. Okay, we don't believe that. We don't believe it's just like one being and then he reveals himself like, like the Holy Spirit. And then he reveals himself like Jesus and reveals himself like the Father. Because distinctly we see in scripture that even Jesus said, he said, I must go so that one can come, <laughs> right? Like how would that make any sense? Like he's going to be at the right hand of the Father to send the Holy Spirit, Right? How can that be? So anyways, we can get into all that. And I'm not trying to get into like this type of stuff. But just so that we know that we serve one God. Amen? He is one. So not only do we serve one God, friends. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He is the Lord. He is the Matthew 1, 23, Emmanuel, God with us. In Matthew chapter 1, verse three, uh, 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is both God and man. He didn't achieve godhood. Some cults and religions believe that he achieved this godhood. Like he did the good works, and then out of all of these things, of him doing all this and doing this right, that he, was, he achieved this status of being a god. And even some will change the translation. They'll even say the word was with God. The word was a God. No, friends. <laughs> we cannot achieve Godhood. <laughs> right? There's only one God. It, that's been the same lie since the beginning, hasn't it? I mean, Adam and Eve, wasn't it the serpent at the beginning that was like, it was like, if you eat this, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. It's been the same deception. And it's the same deception that we want to be our own God. I don't know about you, but when I'm my own God, my life sucks compared to when I submit to the real God. It's true. Right? My, my, my life is a mess apart from Jesus. My, my, Josh Hesser apart from Jesus is ugly. And my wife says, <laughs> thanks, babe. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, thanks, love. So some cults believe some religious Beliefs claim that, again, that he, he, was a, he was a human, and then he attained Christhood, he attained Godhood. And, that, and there's some cults today who 
claim Christianity and claim through their good works, they will achieve the same status at the end. See, what they're doing is they're misinterpreting the, where the scripture it says that we will be conformed to his likeness, meaning that when we behold Jesus, when we, when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, when we submit and yield ourselves to him, okay, uh, the Holy Spirit will begin to do the works in us which are of the Lord, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? The, the, the joy of the Spirit, all of these different things, right? The gifts of the Spirit. So, so he gives us his attributes, but that does not give us the title of being a God. But for some, I don't know why, it, people get these misconceptions and we, get, we bite into the same lie that if we do all the right things, we can be a God of our own. It's messed up. That's why we call this truth to stand on. That is sinking sand. That's messed up. And there's a lot of people, there are probably millions of people who believe that. And they believe all of these crazy things. Say, I cannot become a God. Become a God. Right? <laughs> now, there are a lot of little gods, though. Right? We see that through Scripture. But there's one true God. And there's people who serve these little gods. And there's, there's a, there is a thought process now that, um, and we've seen this, we've seen this over the, the past number of decades, it's called, you know, humanism, where, where we are our own self-God. And sorry, again, no, you're not. <laughs> I like it when, when uh, God is having a conversation with Job. <laughs> and I like it when God's having a conversation with Moses. And there's, there's times when God puts us in our place. He told, he told Moses, he said, who made man's mouth? <laughs> Like you said, you can't speak, but who made man's mouth? He told Job, he was like, were you there when I? <laughs> were you there? <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes he has to put, he's got to sit us down because we can sometimes get a little too big for our own britches. And humans, we have, a, we have a tendency of doing that. That's why he said in the book of De Deuteronomy, he said, when you start be to, to begin to build wealth for yourself, he's like, remember, it is the Lord your God who gave you that strength to produce that wealth for yourself. Because then we start thinking that we're something. We're like, Look what I did for myself. Woo, look at me. We have a tendency to forget what God's done. Do you know that? I was just uh, going through one of my old journals yesterday. And, um, and I had my wife read it this morning because back in 2013, we planted our, our South Seattle campus back in 2006. And, uh, and so we were celebrating our seven-year anniversary at our South Seattle campus. Before Waterville was even a, you know, wasn't even a twinkle in our eye. And, uh, and during that service, um, I brought us through the journey of how God provided for the building and how God, like, like it's just incredible, miraculous. And I was rereading that and I, I said, babe, you've got to read this. Because I basically, I just like, journal, like just journaled our whole like kind of like journey for the seven years. And it's interesting because I'm like, I forgot that. I forgot that. I forgot that. I forgot that. All these different things that God did and the way he did it. And so that's why, that's why it's so good. Friends, if you have a journal, if you've got something, we need, to, we need to write down. When God says something, especially if you get a prophetic word or the Lord speaks to you, man, you got to write that stuff down because you will forget. I forget. Right? I mean, I for, who, who remembers what they ate on Friday? No one, right? I mean, we're just, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget even what God has done in our lives. And so journal those things. Let me, get back, let me get back to our message here. That's called a rabbit trail. And now we're getting right on back to it. 
John chapter 1, verse 2, uh, 22, verse 23 in, in chapter 2. It says, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who has denied the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father has the Son, and whoever confesses the Son has also the Father. Well, friends, I'm going to tell you that there are also beliefs out there um, in two major religious groups that believe that Jesus was a prophet, that he wasn't actually the Son of God. And so, so and this is what they say, oh, well, Jesus is a prophet. But in 1 John chapter 2, it says that he who denies the Father and the Son, he who denies the Son, denies the Father. He who has the Son has the Father. So, so you can't have just the Father. You can't just have Adonai. You can't just have Jehovah. You, you, you can't have Elohim. You can't have Yahweh. You can't have him without Jesus. Right? Does that make sense? And it says, whoever confesses the Son has also the Father. I love that. So abiding in the teachings of Christ, it says in 2 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that we are to abide in his teaching. And, uh, and as we abide in those teachings, we will have the Lord. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. It says, beloved, do not believe. Oh, wait, I read this already, right? No, I didn't. No. Believe it, uh, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Have you ever had to test something before? The scripture says, and it's going on to say this, right? It says, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Friends, there are many deceiving spirits. There are many deceptions. All, all meant to get you off of the course. All meant to get me off the course. That we can begin to believe a lie. It says, by this you know that the Spirit is of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. I remember back in deliverance ministry, this is probably, this is before a lot of you guys' time. So I'm going to tell you some stuff, this might freak you out. But see, my wife and I, we've seen a lot of crazy, awesome, incredible things happen in the name of Jesus. We've seen people healed. We've seen people delivered. Right? We've seen people set free. I've seen, we've seen people instantaneously set free and delivered because of the name of Jesus. Well, when we were back in, when I, I'm telling you, when I got saved, it was, I don't know if it was revival or supernatural. I mean, it was crazy. Like, I thought that it just happened all the time, like every service, like stuff like that was happening. We'd have people that would begin to manifest. They would manifest demonic entities and then would pray over them. And sometimes you're praying over people and you would actually ask them, has Jesus Christ come in the flesh? And they wouldn't be able to say that because, because they were getting set free. There was a demonic spirit. And it was one of the ways that we were trained in deliverance. Um, so uh, verse, uh, verse three, it says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not uh, from God. Did I put that on there? No, I didn't. Okay. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is all in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's where you get that verse from if you've ever heard that before. Verse 5. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. So Jesus Christ is the Lord. He came in the flesh. He was fully God and fully human. And we see all of these uh, things throughout scripture. Friends, the scriptures, the New Testament is sprinkled with 
tons and tons and tons of verses about Jesus being God himself. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. See, that son is, is capitalized. Whom he appointed to the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Wow. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 through 4 says, He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so, friends, we see a bunch of different attributes of Jesus that point to him as being God. We see it's pointed to him as being God because he had a virgin birth. If there's any other pro prophet, false prophet, false Christ, antichrist, any other person that can attribute and have a record of, of being of God, they would have to fulfill, they would have to fulfill this prophecy of having a, a virgin birth in which he did actually jesus fulfilled 450 prophetic words prophetic declarations for him to do exactly so again this is just a, we're, we're just taking like a like a small little dip into this whole concept i mean we could really unpack this thing i mean there are a ton and a ton of scriptures but these are just a few of the things that point to yes he was god first his virgin birth and these are the scriptures where it's found right he had a sinless life who else can can say they live sinlessly not me i sin daily and if you say you don't you need to be my teacher because this thing gets me in trouble a lot Right? The scripture says, it says, if any man can tame his tongue, he's a perfect man. And so that's, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, we sin here, we sin here, right? And so he had a sinless life. That's crazy. He had miraculous signs. He even said, he said, don't let my words prove to you. Let my works. <laughs> he did miracles. I mean, and, and he absolutely healed every single person and did miraculous things. Which again, anytime you see God on the scene, there are miracles are going to happen, right? We see that throughout the Old Testament. When God's there, it's miraculous, right? He's like, I don't need 10,000 people to take people. All I need is Gideon and 300, right? Oh, we have people that have been in slavery for 400 years. Oh, okay, yeah, instead of raising up a man, he could have... He could have easily raised up Moses, had Moses, you know, maybe the Pharaoh could have, you know, died and choked on his food. And then Moses could have took over and released all the, all the uh, uh, Hebrews. But no, he didn't decide to do it that way. Instead, he rose up a, a man who was, who, was, uh, who was trying to be killed when he was a baby, ended up fleeing for his life uh, because he killed a man. I mean, I love the fact that I see the scripture. God uses the most unlikely people. Moses wasn't special. He was fleeing in his life. He was, he was minding his own business, tending sheep. Has a God experience and then says yes to God. Anytime God shows up, there's going to be miracles. That's why when God shows up in service, man, God does stuff. I mean, I've seen absolutely incredible, miraculous things when God shows up. That's why we ask him to come, right? Yeah. 
So not only is it proved through his virgin birth, his sinless life, his miracles, but then also his substitutionary work on the cross. He died for us. No other God has claimed that they have done the work for us. Every other God has you doing the work for yourself to get to them. There's no other religion like that. There's no other belief system where God came and met man. Their God came and met and did the work. No, every other, every other belief system is you doing all of these things, you working to do all this stuff so that you might be able to be good enough. And let me tell you, friends, and, and even in Christianity, we may still even have this belief that we have to be good enough, that we have to work out, because you read that, you read the scripture, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, it is a work, it's a process, but he does that work in you. You can't do that in yourself, right? Our job is yielding, surrendering, humbling ourselves, receiving the strength from the Lord, and then saying no to our sinful nature and our sinful flesh. But we can't even do any of that without his Holy Spirit on us. When I think of what God has done, it's absolutely incredible. Because not only did he die on the cross for our sins, for us to be with him forever, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to say yes to him. Could you imagine how difficult it was back in the Old Testament before the Holy Spirit, it was for people to actually live for the Lord in a full context? That's why I believe uh, the Pharisees and the religious people were so corrupt because the Holy Spirit had not been poured out. And so there's going to be a time when when the Lord leaves, right? What's this world going to look like when, when the church is gone? When he calls us, when he calls this church up, it's going to be like the days of Noah. That's scary, isn't it? That's why we have an absolute responsibility as the church to preach the gospel, to be the gospel, to share the gospel. Amen. His substitutionary work. And then three friends, this absolutely proves Jesus died and rose again. <laughs> he died and rose again. And so there are, there are people, they don't believe. Well, he never, you know, he didn't die. He didn't rise from the, from the grave. If there's a crime that's committed, usually you need a little something called a witness, right? If, you, if, there, if you've ever watched a trial, if you've ever watched Judge Judy or any of that other stuff, they would call, or if you've ever watched any of your favorite crime show, Law and Order or whatever, they will call a what? Witness to the stand. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? And friends, let me tell you, in the scripture, there were a ton of people who experienced the resurrection, including one of my favorites, who's a woman who meets with Jesus before the apostles even meet with him. So in Matthew chapter 28, verse five through seven, it says, but the angel of the Lord said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. She goes to his tomb. He's not there. Now, how many of us, when you read in scripture, do you know that the tomb wasn't left unguarded? Actually, the Pharisees at that time believed that, that 
the disciples were going to, because he claimed, he said, I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to rise from the dead. Everybody knew it. They said, he claimed when he was alive, he's going to rise from the dead. Can you? So he asked, and they placed two guards there to guard it, because they were like, they're going to go and sneak his body away. Right? And the, 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 the guards encountered the angels of the Lord. You see, you see centurions encountering God and encountering angels and encountering Jesus. And so he died and rose from the grave. So then, right, he pops up. He shows up where his disciples are. And they couldn't even believe it themselves. Have you ever had something so incredible happen in your life? You're like, I cannot believe this. I just, I can't believe it. If you haven't ever had an encounter like that, you need one because it's, it's fun being blown away. Right? You're like, oh my gosh. So, so he... Jesus shows up, right? They're all meeting together. Jesus pops up on the scene in Luke chapter 24. And he says this, because they're like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. See my hands, right? He had, near, he had nail uh, pierced hands. See my feet. Touch me, see. For spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said these things, or no, no, here, no, up, sorry. I have, I, have, I have more scripture that's ahead of that. Let me read that first. It says, as they were talking, sorry about that. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. I mean, can you imagine like, what if we're like right here, we're having church, we're talking and all of a sudden Jesus just pops out out of nowhere. Half of y'all would fall back in your chairs. The other half of y'all would probably go running into the bathroom. Some people would dart for that door. That would be, you would be like, why? I mean, I mean, this place would be chaotic. I mean, seriously, right? I mean, if you've watched, I mean, most of you guys have watched enough, you know, horror flicks or whatever, or whatever, or, or, or watch, you know, or have this. If Jesus was literally to man, and he's done that friends. I mean, you hear in, in, uh, in third world countries where Jesus shows up. I mean, what if Jesus popped up right here, right now? You'd freak out. I'd freak out. <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God. I'd probably fall on my face. <laughs> like, so can you imagine, right? So they all saw him be crucified, right? Some of them real close, others from a distance. They knew that he got placed in the tomb. And so many of them were hiding because they knew they thought that they were going to be next. They were going to be the next one killed. Jesus shows up. They're startled. They're afraid. They thought they seen the spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when, they had, uh, and when he had said these things, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved. For joy and were marveled, they sa he said to them, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. They were like, if you're really here, eat some food. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been in such disbelief? I mean, they were, I can just imagine that whole place. Like they're like, they didn't know what was going on. They're like, wait, is this real? Am I dreaming and pinching yourself? Like what's going on here? Here, if you're real, eat this fish. <laughs> like, show us that you're real. He showed up and then he doesn't just show up to them. It's crazy. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse three through nine. It says, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, right? He fulfilled scripture. Then he was buried and was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas. That's also Peter. And to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. So that's why I said, like, we're, we're having church. And all of a sudden, Jesus just showed up like, hello, here I am. I mean, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Hello. <laughs> that'd be nuts. 
most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, because people, there's people that actually were being persecuted and died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, this is Paul writing, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now, I used to say this, and I, I will continue to say this forever. If Jesus didn't die and raise from the dead, and it was not experienced, not one of those disciples would have died for that lie. No one is going to be willing to die for a lie. If they never, if they didn't experience that, they would have said, oh yeah, no, we buried his body. Oh yeah, no, we, no, 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 I'm not dying for that. No, but they absolutely experienced that. And so you can't talk somebody out of that. That you will go to your last breath saying, I experienced Jesus. He showed up. <laughs> we experienced him. And then, G and then what happens in the book of Acts chapter 1 when Peter's preaching, that's what he says. He says, so when they had all come together, they asked him, Lord, uh, or, or no, this is, um, actually, I jumped the gun here. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 2. It said, then Jesus, uh, this is Peter speaking, and he's telling them all this. He says, uh, he's preaching the gospel to a crowd of like 5,000. And he says, this Jesus God raised, from, raised him up, and of that we are all witnesses. This is Peter speaking. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. He's talking about because they were all prophesying the Holy Spirit had been poured out. But he says this. He says, we are all witnesses. Reliable sources. Reliable. Like I said, if you stand in front of a judge, they want a witness. You can't just say it. Where's the witness? And in the same context... God would, God would even say, not only is my word enough, I'm going to show witnesses so that they can know. You guys sit with me? We got like two more scriptures here. Coming, coming around to the end. Finishing this up. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 11. It says, so when they had, I told you we had a lot of scripture. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you restore? Will you take this time and restore the kingdom of Israel? They thought Jesus was going to be the Messiah who was going to save them from Roman oppression and restore the nation of Israel, not realizing that he wasn't creating a kingdom here on earth. He was dying and that he, and that he was creating a kingdom that is not of this earth, kingdom of heaven. And he was going to populate that. So they're asking him, they're like, are you going to restore the kingdom? Right? Are we going to be back in that place of power? Back in that place of authority? Not under the thumb of Rome anymore? He said, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witness. Say witness. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on as he was lifted up in a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white. I mean, you just see Jesus popping up. You just see angels popping up in scripture. I mean, they're just popping up everywhere, right? Two men standing in white robes said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taking up from you into heaven 
will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. We call that the blessed, the blessed hope, right? The return of the Lord. He's going to come back the same way because of what the angel said. He's going to come the same way he, he left. So all of them actually witnessed Jesus going up into heaven. So, so, so can you imagine? Can you imagine witnessing? This is why you would die for, for your faith. This is why all the apostles, except for Judas, who killed himself, and, and John, the revelator, who they couldn't kill. They tried to. So instead, they decided to banish him to the Isle of Patmos. <laughs> they couldn't kill him. Which I'm glad because then we got the book of Revelation out of that, which is incredible, right? And awfully confusing if you don't know what it's talking about. So all of these people not only see Jesus uh, raised from the dead, they, they saw him, they literally saw him ascend to heaven. So absolutely, they went and spread the gospel across Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Absolutely, that's why when they were brought to uh, denouncing Jesus, they told them over and over, stop preaching Jesus, we're going to kill you. And they said, we will obey God, not man. <laughs> they even tried to stop Paul saying, Paul, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to die. And he said, and if that's my end, let it be. To live as Christ, to die is gain. How would you say that unless you experienced the Lord? Unless you actually experienced Jesus. Final scripture here. Then we're close. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Just one more scripture. Just again, reminding us that Jesus is Lord. Title of our message. Philippians chapter 2, it says, Therefore God has... Highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Friends, the name that is above every name, the name that heals, the name that saves, the name that, that delivers, the name that sets free. There's no other name that does this. Buddha, Gandhi, Confucius, Muhammad, Allah, not even the name of Moses can save us. You're going to say amen right there. You got to understand this. This is, I'm preaching truth here. This is the word of the Lord, guys. Yeah. I know, I know it's not one of those peppy, but man, this is, this is the, the foundation, the core belief of, of, of what we not only receive and believe, but live out. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Yeah. Every demon is going to bow. Satan is going to bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So every person on this planet and under and above, all everyone is going to say, Jesus is Lord. And you may have heard it preached before. You can either bow now or bow then. And, and so I would choose, I'd rather bow now. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard atheists who've had debates with people and, and, and other people who have Jewish faith who've said, you know, at the end, I sure hope I'm not wrong. I remember when I used to do street preaching and I used to say this to people who didn't believe in God. I used to say this. I'd say, okay, so you say you don't believe in God? Okay, so let's say your theory is right. Let's say God doesn't exist. And I go about living my life, you know, serving others, serving the Lord, and I die. And there's nothing. What do I lose? Nothing. I said, but I know Jesus is alive and I've experienced him and can't nothing turn me away from that. So what happens if God is real and you die and then you have to stand before him and he has to say, I don't know who you are. What's more scary? If, if God doesn't exist and I live my life the way it is or if he does exist and then I have to stand before him and give an account for my life. I don't know. 
I mean, just trying to get people to think, you know, I mean, I'd be out there street preaching because the church has hurt a lot of people. There's a lot of people, they found religion. They don't know about this relationship thing with Jesus. They've seen wrong representations of Christ. So it is our responsibility to do our best to represent him well. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we say we love you. You're amazing. You're awesome. Lord, you've done absolutely everything for us. Lord, while we were still sinners, you died for us. God, while we were still in our own rebellion, Josh Hester wasn't even looking for God. And yet you were, you were sending out lines, God, of, of grace and mercy to my life. And numerous times where I can look back and see where you miraculously spared my life in real ways that I, I can't attribute to anything else other than your divine protection. And Lord, many of us in this room have experienced you doing awesome things. And if we haven't, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would experience the real God in a real way. God, that you would show up and show off in and through our life, God. Just like you showed up for the disciples, Lord, I pray that you would show up in the hearts of those who are seeking you today, God. Lord, we pray for your church, God. We pray that we wouldn't just have, God, a concept of Christ, but we would actually know you. God, we wouldn't have a concept of, re of religion or Christianity, but we would actually know the Son and know the Father and have intimate relations with you, God. That's what you called us for, is intimacy. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, for I do not know you. That's a, an intimate word. It's the intimacy of a man would, would know his wife in an intimate way. And God, you desire, God, you did all of this, not for us to have a ticket to heaven and, and be far from you, but that we would draw near to you. So Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, that God, that every, every lie, every blockage, God, every deception, every mountain, anything that would try to separate us from knowing you in a deeper way, in a deeper way Father, I pray that you'd break it in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you'd bring freedom right now. God, that you would lift yokes in Jesus' name. God, would you remove blinders just like you did with, with, with Saul? He was blind. He didn't see. Persecuting the church. He experienced you. You removed the blinders. And he committed his life wholly to you, God. I, I pray. Let that be us. Let us experience you in a real way. Let no one be able to talk us out of it because a man with an experience will outmatch a man with an argument. God, would you fill us fresh and anew? Jesus. Holy Spirit, as you are poured out in the book of Acts, would you pour out on the church again today? God, would you pour out on Vision Church? Would you pour out on our Waterville campus? Would you pour out on our South Toledo campus? Would you pour out in this community of Waterville, God? Would you pour out in Toledo? God, would you pour out in Maumee? God, would you pour out, God, in Wasion? God, would you pour out, Lord, in Monclova and in Swanton? God, would you pour out, Lord, in, in the surrounding areas? Would you pour out in Liberty Center? Would you pour out in White House? Would you pour out in Delta? Would you pour out in Weston? Would you show up and show off in this time, God? As Pastor Joy was praying, God, we believe for a revival 
we, we believe for you. Your word says that if the Son of Man is lifted up, you'll draw a minute to yourself. We lift you up today. We lift you up in prayer. We lift you up in our worship. We lift you up with our lives. We yield our lives to you. And if you're tuning in today or you're here today and you wanna make a commitment to the Lord, just do it right here, right now. Maybe you need to recommit some areas. Maybe the struggle has been so real in your life. Man, you've been losing a lot of battles. Just take this time right where you're sitting and just make an altar before the Lord, right where you're at. We'll just take a few moments. Just let them love on you. Let him draw you near. The scripture says that if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Friends, you coming here this morning or you tuning in, is you drawing near? Now, Lord, would you draw near to us, God? God, there are some of your sons and daughters in here who need encouragement. Would you speak encouragement? There are some in here who need, man, they have questions. They need help with some decisions. God, would you extend that gift of wisdom? God, your word says it's a gift of wisdom. God, would you give great wisdom? Your word says you'll give wisdom to those who ask. God, there are those in here in the valley decision need wisdom. There are those in here, God, who are on the brink of giving up. God, would you encourage hearts right now? God, there are marriages that are struggling. God, you can do something awesome. There are those in here today who may need physical healing in their body. Lord, you can do it. The arm of the Lord is not too short. Would you minister to your sons and daughters? Thank you, Father. As your word says, God, that we're to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we ask, God, for whatever needs that people would have in this place, would you supernaturally meet needs, Lord? Provide. Papa, <laughs> you're so good at doing it. You're so good at doing it, God. We love you. Just take a moment, just thank God, because we're going to come before him with thanksgiving. Just thank him. If you don't know what to thank him for, take a deep breath and say thank you. <laughs> thank you, Papa. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for extending your great grace on us again. Thank you that your mercies are new and fresh every morning. Thank you that many of us in here, maybe we need a fresh start. God, you, you can give us that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that fresh start. Thank you that you wash away condemnation and sin. God, thank you that you wash away rebellion from our hearts. God, thank you that you wash away shame. Wash away the shame in the name of Jesus. Like I hit a chord there. God, wash away guilt right now in Jesus' name. Wash away shame. In Jesus' name, be free right now from shame, guilt, condemnation. For there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, God bless you.